The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. And hello, everybody. It is Tyler, your host this week. Uh, Chet, hope you feel better. He's dealing with the stomach bug past couple of days, and that is never easy to deal with. But we are back. We got Tyler, Wade, and Jacob, and it is officially Big Ten Day, as we are going to be. This is Jacob's favorite holiday. Every once in every day and in the summer, we talk about the Big Ten. We'll also talk about the AFC North, NFC North. So we got a full menu on tap. But how are you boys doing tonight? Doing great. I mean, it's hard to believe we're already talking about football again. I know we've already previewed the SEC and the the South Division of the NFL uh, for the AFC and the NFC. But it's pretty crazy that we're a month away from fantasy football drafts and sitting in college football stadiums. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it seems weird that college football is on the horizon. I think what less than six weeks are we looking yeah. at? So it, players uh, start practicing two weeks. Media yeah, days so are kicking off too, so it's exciting getting there. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I've been also been watching uh, the I just finished up the quarterback series on Netflix. I don't know if y'all got yes. into that yet. I did. I watched. I watched, it. I watched all eight episodes yesterday. So All I right, might be well. a little bit biased. We do have the top five quarterbacks, so we might have one of the, you know, either Patrick Mahomes or maybe we'll have Kirk Cousins on the list. You'll just never know, but you'll have to find out later. But first, we're going to get into is Baton Rouge team is getting a professional hockey team, as many of you know, and this is their logo, and I'll pull it up right here. As you can tell, it is not good at all. I don't know what, well, I don't know who did this. It must have been a two-year-old. Uh, but the Baton Rouge is now official, and their season will officially get underway. Wade, you're probably going to be a season ticket holder, going to a lot of games for the merch. What do you think about this logo? You know, as much as I don't like it, I think I'll be owning like a shirt with it on it probably in the next two months. So, um, you know, it's a positive step that we have hockey here come into Baton Rouge and yes, it is right beside my work. So I'll be a frequent um, attendee to these games, but yeah, I think they missed the mark here. I, I think that uh, the blue and the red, I get it. You want to play it conservative. It's the colors of the river center. Everything kind of jives that way. But um, I just think this logo could use a little bit more pizzazz. I mean, you got the, the white space, between the hockey stick and the, the Zydeco name. And then you got the bridge that doesn't really tie into the, the mascot at all. Um, and then some people that are more local to the area are saying, Hey, Zydeco, that's more Lafayette, Acadiana region, which I, I agree, but I, I like the idea of making it unique to Louisiana in some regards. So the name doesn't really bother me. I think we could call them the Z's for short, but I think the logo could use a little work and, um, if you're going to go with such a cool name, like throw a music note or something on there, you know, yeah. and, and some of our listeners don't even know what Zydeco is. So let's start no. there. Zydeco <laughs> is a style of music uh, played here in Louisiana, a mix of um, sick guitar, banjo, 
jazz instruments, uh, very eclectic and unique to the area. Not necessarily what you think of when it comes to a bunch of Russians and Ukrainians hitting each other on the ice, but um, it is definitely unique. I mean, the Red Sticks was right there. It might have been a little boring, but uh, I think we'll see a new logo, like an alternate logo coming out at some point in the season. A lot of the sports fans in this uh, town that have graphic design backgrounds have taken a stab at at uh, a little redesign effort. Yeah, yeah I think too. yeah, go ahead. I think that they just uh, yeah, I, like like Wade said, I, I think they missed missed their mark here. Uh, you know, the Red Sticks would have been. Uh, nice considering there's a red hockey stick on the logo. Um, but <laughs> no, yeah, like I've seen a lot of hockey logos, and it, it's one of those where it looks okay on paper, but envisioning it on a uniform, it, How it are you just stitch that on. There? It's it's just one of those things where yeah, like it it just seems really really intricate when it comes to trying to design jerseys and things so yeah i think that they're gonna have a little bit of a problem with that unless they come up with an alternate logo to do a lot of their uniforms with um like i they had a really big market that they could have pursued to a certain extent um i mean with an old old nhl team in the nordiques in canada really with you know the Florida Elite really was kind of the the aim for that team um and they had so much that they could have done with this logo knowing that this is what they were going to do um color scheme wise and everything else so I think you might see a little tie into that potentially when the season starts which would be really cool because um a lot of those old throwback uniforms from then were really neat so I I'm excited to see what happens aside from the logo um it is a new team i think louisiana needs hockey back um and it just takes a lot of time there's there's a lot of people down here and i'm sure wade you know um the area a little better than i do that i'm sure there's a lot of people that want it back and remember it and there's a lot of people that are brand new and have no idea what the heck hockey is hey i fall in that camp but i am excited Yeah, definitely a lot of excitement. You know, the Baton Rouge Zydeco, like I said, will get kicked off. Uh, the last team was the Kingfish, and that logo was sweet. This is not. You know, the bridge. Yes, but the Kingfish owner has I mean, If you're going to put the bridge, you might as well put the traffic on there, too. If you <laughs> want to make it a headlights. of a landmark. Uh, but we'll get into that whenever the Baton Rouge Zydeco. They're going to be in the Federal Prospects League with the Mississippi Sioux Bulls and a few other teams. So we'll see. Zydeco does either worse, or I mean, the uh, Mississippi Sea was their first season back was not. Dude, that's gonna be a rivalry good. right there. Not very good, so that might be the battle of last place between the Zydeco and the Sea Wolves. But we so will they square off. See. Well, they they square off in the they yeah. they play six times in the first fifteen games of the season. So Heck yeah, um, yeah. So Heck it'll be yeah. interesting. All right. Well, from hockey, let's go on now to the golfing world. And this past weekend, Roy McIlroy got his first win on the season. It was a bit of a rough stretch for him at the start of the season with, you know, with everything going on about the PGA and the live. I know that's definitely on his mind, uh, but let's shift our now into the last major of the year, which feels weird to me in golf. You know, it's only July, but it's already the last major. But outside of that, PGA Tour will continue on with their events and also the live. So 
the Open Championship now shifts to the Royal Liverpool. So, Jacob, who's your favorite to win and also who's your sleeper, uh, you know, that can, you know, get back into the wings and potentially, you know, pull this off? Um, Just thinking of major champions over the past few years, it really hasn't been anybody that stuck out to us. Um, it, it just seems that in the eyes of major championships now, there always seems to be somebody that we don't normally see hanging around uh, on the last day, maybe in the second to the last group, really trying to uh, push themselves to win their first major. And of course, this is really the opportunity. And a lot of in a lot of guys, this is their first major win. Uh, it, it, you don't see it happen with many of the other ones. Of course, different type of golf. I mean, completely different. So it it really is challenging and. Uh, the biggest effect I see playing probably into this entire tournament is wind. It's flat. It's Scotland. It's 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 going to be really tough. So I, I think uh, good ball strikers are going to have to play really well in this one. Uh, for me, a dark horse, I think that the best pick for me, dark horse-wise, is probably going to be Max Homa, uh, just because he seems like he's always running a major one way or another. And I know we've talked about him quite a bit in the past. And I know Chet's really high on Max Homa. And there's certain things that uh, he's done well ball striking wise that I think he can perform well at this course. Um, my pick to win it, though, is probably going to be Scotty Scheffler coming off of a top five last week. I think that Scotty is in a really good place with his game uh, in another major, and especially this big one at the end of the season as far as majors go, would be huge, huge rebound for him. And uh, Chet's picks, uh, he's not here, but Victor Hovland is his favorite to win. And then Minwoo Lee. Wade, give me your picks too. All right. So for a, a dark horse, I'm going to go with the uh, the countryman, if you will, Shane Lowry. He won mm. the Open back in 2019, I think. And yep, sure did. he's just, like Jacob said, the one of those guys that, you just see hanging around that you don't expect, but you're like, oh, hey, I remember that guy. He's pretty good at golf. So I think this is a weekend where you could see someone like that kind of make an appearance um, near the top. So uh, for the winner, I don't know. I tried to read as much as I could and come up with an educated guess. I think we've kind of been talking about the same five guys all year, but I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka because he is inching closer towards a career grand slam. Uh, this would be his third championship, uh, major championship, that is. So I think he could cross another one off the list this year, and uh, he's playing some pretty hot golf. Yeah, I definitely agree with Chad. I do not want to touch Max Homa, so that is definitely your bone <laughs> to pick there, Jacob. I I've gave him too many tries. The U.S. Open, we had a bet on him, didn't work out. But I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood as my favorite to win this one. You know, his caddy knows, knows his course pretty well. Hit, you know, he's striking the ball. Really well, he got a top coming off of a top six finish at the Open. So I think that he's just due uh, for a breakout. I think that the start of the year, like Roy McIlroy, hasn't been what he wanted. So I think at, you know, plus uh, 2,200, that's definitely a nice value. I've seen a lot of other people go all in on Tommy Fleetwood this upcoming weekend. So why not? And then my dark horse, I've gone with this man earlier in this year. I'm going to go with Adam Scott. 
and you know the history repeats itself he's consistently been in the top 10 in this event and at this course too he has some familiarity with this course so i just feel like he's going to be on it too and he's plus 8,500. That is definitely a huge one. I always like to go with huge ones too. So let us know down in the comments who you think is going to take the Open Championship. Last year, we saw Cam Smith take it. It went down to an insane, you know, Rory McIlroy was in it. And then he kind of fell off at the end. We saw Cam, Cam Young also be a huge different maker. Uh, so we will see if any of the live players uh, like Cam Smith will etch their names back on to the Open Championship. All right, let's now go into MLB before we get into our main of our football talk. Uh, so the trade deadline and the trade rumors are starting to swirl up. You know, we're in the month of the July, but August 1st is a trade deadline. The one name that we all we want to talk about is Shohei Otani. Right now, I'm going to give you the top five teams based on Vegas odds. So right now, the Angels are the favorite to land him. The second is the Dodgers, but I just saw a report that the Dodgers are reportedly out of that discussion, so you could cross them off the list if you want to. The Mets are the third favorite, the Yankees are the fourth, and the Padres are the fifth. So out of those two, you know, the teams that I listed, or do you have another team that could potentially land Shohei, or is Shohei just going to stay with the Angels? Uh, that's tough. Honestly, I don't know. I, it depends how they, the Angels want his legacy to be with them. I think if they trade him, uh, ultimately you're not going to remember Shohei Otani for his career on the Angels because I think he will get that next big contract and it'll probably be in a big market. Um, so they might just want to hold on to that last little bit. But for what reason? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's not a very marketable team. They're not in the playoff hunt. Everything says they should sell. Uh, I, I don't think any of the big spenders are going to trade for him unless it comes down to like the New York Yankees. But I think if he is going to be traded, it's going to be to one of the smaller market teams that's in contention this year. Uh, potentially, I'm looking at Baltimore or Cincinnati, two teams that could make a run and have the prospects. Um, and I think that trading for him now is the only chance you have it re-signing him for next year let him get a little taste of the team and then maybe you get a hometown discount but that's a lot that's a big gamble for a small team to to lay it all on the line potentially give up some young controllable superstar players to just get half a season with Shohei Otani so ultimately I think the market's just going to kind of force its way out uh, I think like maybe New York or Texas are the only two teams I could see having the capital and being able to swallow like the fact that he could walk away. <laughs> Jake, have you got any takes on it? So uh, I, I have two teams. I think that nobody's uh, referenced until just now Wade brought them up, but in the first being the Texas Rangers, uh, I think the Rangers are in a really good spot. Of course, you're trading within the, in the division right there. Um, so that's a lot of a lot of uh, pressure, you know, for the Angels to compete with. If Texas does pursue him, they really need somebody in that spot. They have good pitching. Adding Otani to that uh, rotation would be absolutely wild uh, to have somebody, you know, potentially have a Cy Young winner and a potential future 
multi-year Cy, one, Cy Young winner on the same team uh, could be pretty deadly, especially there in the AL West. Uh, I, I think the second team going to the National League is the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, St. Louis comes in in a different position only because they're so far out of the playoff hunt uh, that it doesn't seem that they're going to be there. Uh, and throwing their chips down and saying, hey, look, here's the deal. We don't know if we can re-sign Nolan Arenado to another year or another big deal. They can go after Otani, and I think that's possible there, and they need all the help they can get uh, with the rotation, pitching-wise. And It's finding the right balance, finding a team that is going to be able to handle a two-way player. And it's a totally different approach, and no other team has had to deal with a two-way player like Otani. So I think finding the right position, you're basically giving up two spots for one guy. So it's you really have to bite the bullet. You're playing with a one less guy, and of course everybody says, "Oh, well, look at all those guys in the dugout." You know, uh, it matters. Chair, and it matters. It does. Everybody does matter, especially uh, on the baseball field. There are nine guys, but it takes every single person uh, in order to perform, especially at the major league level. Um, and you can't I rotate just, the DH if he's on your lineup because he doesn't. Right. He's a superhuman, but he doesn't play in the field, which I understand. <laughs> He's stretched to all limits, but, you know, is that an approach that a team has to take if they kind of have an older veteran presence at their DH? Is it mm. a situation where we see him play left field or, you know, first base or something every now and then? I just don't see a a traditional – when I say traditional, I'm talking like Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Cubs, Dodgers. I don't see a traditional team taking somebody like Otani. Because they have no experience working with somebody like that. And you're seeing teams that are the next generation of teams, we'll say, like the Orioles. Um, could the Pirates be a next generation team? Could uh, There's a bunch of teams. Uh, Miami, uh, of course, Tampa Bay really started all of that. I mean, the Rays really started all that young talent uh, coming up. And, you know, I just don't see a traditional team uh, taking Otani, and that's why I don't think the Dodgers are even in play uh, just because they don't have any experience with anything like that. Yeah, I, I want to bring up Neil's comment here. I know that Shohei has said it, that he wants to go contender. I mean, Atlanta's a contender right there. I mean, they have the best record. And I'm going to be looking at their rotation right now. You know, Max Freed is working in Gwinnett uh, right now, trying to go through a rehab. You know, Spencer Strider, his command – Hasn't been off. Uh, he was really good last year, and, you know, teams are starting to figure out uh, that velocity. And then you look after that, you know, Charlie Morton, uh, he's probably at the back end of his career. He's, you know, he just had a, a really good outing against the White Sox uh, on Friday night. And then after that, it's pretty much a question mark. You know, Colby Allard is now on the IL for them. So there's, you know, a couple of open spots, you know, if they want to get into rotation. If you put Shohei in the lineup, I mean, golly, the lineup – already is one of the best in the major leagues and you put Shohei right when you know Matt Olson or Austin Riley I mean no one's going to beat this team if Shohei goes to Atlanta uh, I could also see the Reds too or trade capital yeah that's <laughs> it would be a lot of draft well, capital think about it uh, there's there is an opportunity there because Atlanta they need that position if Otani's yeah. going to play left field they need that position because realistically, Ozuna's Rosario, not we the saw answer. His defense is right, Rosario's yeah. not the answer. So there's some options there. That there, there's an open door. 
Um, center field wise, you know, Michael Harris is your center fielder. There's, and of course, over and right, touching you're, not gonna, spot. <laughs> you're not going to touch Acuna. I just think that if, if it's the Braves two or three years down the line, sure. They might be on the list in order for something to happen. I think that Morton has a little bit more in the tank left. So I, I don't see that happening. And for them to do that, they're going to have to trade. They're going to have to trade an all-star for an all-star at the end of the day. So it would have to be Ozzy Obbies to me to make yeah, it make yeah, sense. It would have to be one right. of the big guys that you have in the lineup. He's a controllable contract for the shortest amount of time and uh, the cheapest. So I would I would think that would have to be an eye for an eye. And I, I don't know if you make that deal if I'm the Braves, but I think it's a good landing spot in free agency. I think Atlanta can win the World Series without him. Yeah. And I think he could come in next year. Azuna's contracts can be gone. You're going to need that fifth starter. He plugs right in beautifully. Um, I just don't see it happening this year. I don't think that the trade capital is is there. Uh, one team nobody mentioned, Seattle. He did have exciting things to say about Seattle when he was there. Um, it looks like Julio Rodriguez has been signed to a relatively team-friendly deal. There might be some more money there. It's not a huge market team, but... They could throw in the bank. Uh, certainly don't have any irreplaceable talent at DH or outfield or first base. So I think there's room for him to kind of have that superstar footprint, like Jacob said. I think that we all can agree that it's going to take a lot, no matter when you know what team gets them. Uh, so that's going to conclude our MLB talk on that side. But now let's get some of our midseason divisional predictions. We did this. At the preseason, where you know the past the All Star break, all the teams are, are back in action, had their first week and back from the All Star break. So let's go on and start with the AL. Go on the AL East. The Tampa Bay Rays are currently leading the division right now, but the Orioles are one game back. And surprisingly, not the New York Yankees are in dead last. You know, Aaron Judge, all the injuries that they've been dealing with. Uh, so do y'all still have the Rays as your division winner? Or are you going with somebody else? Honestly, I I could see the Orioles taking it. Um, I think that they're kind of the team of destiny right now. I do think they'll – they might not enter the Shohei Watani sweepstakes, but I do expect them to add pitching at the deadline. Right now, their starting pitching is really holding them back uh, from what they could be, but they have some young uh, AAA pieces, some fringe MLB prospects that I think you could see get moved. Um, you know, in tune for some pitching and that could bring them over the edge because Tampa's dealing with a lot of injuries. And honestly, I just see the bats kind of cooling down a little bit in the second half. Yeah. Um, for me, I think you also have to look at the rest of the schedule for these teams. Tampa has, uh, according to the strength of schedule for the second half of the season, they have the hardest schedule to end the season. So I think that they're, of course, they opened up with almost the easiest. They were almost dead last in strength of schedule to start the season. So I I think that them only having a one-game lead on Baltimore uh, is not enough. And you play all these games in the MLB, and that's where I kind of have a discrepancy. There's 162 games in an MLB season, and it's too many to figure out who's going to make the playoffs. Let's, like, can we, like, condense that down a lot? Uh, just be yeah it, it just because it's it's way too much and that's part of the issue uh when it comes to, to this time and 
you get teams with big leads and some that don't have any lead at all. But um, the, the AL East is interesting only because every team there is either at 500 or better. And you have every team there, even though the Yankees are last in the division, they're still seventh in the American League. So it just seems that that's where the money's being made in the American League is the East. So uh, it's very interesting, and it's hard to pick. I like Wade's pick as far as Baltimore going – to, to win the division, I, I think Baltimore's in an excellent position with a lot of young talent. You can't cat out Boston. I think their best moves and their their biggest team moves of all time have happened at the trade deadline, and I think it really can be uh, an opportunity for them to pursue some more talent. They're super young right now, so I, I could see them going and getting uh, one or two veterans in the bullpen and really being a contender. So I think my pick for now is Baltimore, but uh, I think the Red Sox that people need to watch out for them. They're only six games back. So I think that they definitely, everybody has an opportunity at least to to end up in first. Anything can happen. Yeah. I'm going to go with Baltimore. I think that since they're one game back, they are like in win note, win now mode. I think they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline. They're going to try to get, as many starting pitchers as they can, like Wade mentioned, they need it. I think that they have one of the best closers, too, with uh, Felix Bautista. He's having a phenomenal season for them. I think that their bats are really cooking up. Adley Rutschman, Frazier's, you know, having a good season, too. So I think that it's a clean sweep for the Baltimore Orioles. Who would have thought that for the season? But that's how why we do these updated midseason predictions uh, to really update that. So let's go on to another division in the American hey, League. That's last- the eight. Last biggest point, and this is the in complete difference maker in the at least, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles have to play eight times in the second half of the season. So that's huge to figure out who can take yeah. the division Those if everybody kind of stays in neutral. Yep. There you go. There's your head-to-head. Uh, Nobody so wants Vlad Jr.? In <laughs> uh, <laughs> the preseason I did, but I don't know. I just feel like. I just, I just feel like, you know, way that Baltimore has been playing. I just feel like Toronto has been too up and down for me. So that's why we all changed. So now let's go on to the AL Central. It's the Minnesota Twins right now at the top. But, you know, you saw Detroit with six games back of the division lead. And then you also had the Cleveland Guardians at two and a half. So, Jacob, who do you have taking this division? Are you going to go with the Twins or are you going to go with a sneaky pick with the Tigers? No, I'm going to stick with Minnesota. I think the Twins probably win the division. They have the best pitching rotation uh, in that division. Uh, Other than Cleveland, Cleveland's right on their tail. I think that for Detroit, there's just, they need a lot of help pitching and and run support wise. They just don't have it right now. Uh, They're in a, in the middle of a, I think it's a rebuild, uh, to be honest. I just think that. They're going to be in a rebuild for a little while to figure out what's going to happen. Of course, they're 10 games under 500, so it's significant ways back looking at uh, looking at the American League as a whole because ultimately that's what matters is the is the the league as a whole. So I think that uh, aside from divisions, it just I don't see them being a contender at the end of it all. They're too far back in my opinion. So is Chicago with the White Sox and Cincinnati, of course, is way out of it, 21 back. So, uh, no, I think Minnesota 
honestly is the better team all the way around up against Cleveland. I know the Guardians kind of turned it on a little bit there right before the All-Star break, so they're right on top of them, but I don't see the Twins giving that spot up. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Twins too. I think, you know, with, with Cleveland, the news comes Bieber, uh, you know, being shelled uh, for two weeks and potentially, you know, he could – you know, be gone too. I could see them moving on from him. It feels like every offseason, you know, every trade trade deadline, we're waiting on Cleveland to make a move. I just feel like the Twins' offense is is really going to carry them. I think that Byron Buxton, the first half of the season, is not what we really expected from him. You know, have them having Carlos Correa too. So I think also the pitching staff there, they've been in a dealt with a ton of injuries. You're getting a healthy Pablo Lopez back. We saw in Miami. So. I just feel like Minnesota is ultimately going to run away with this one. I feel like as a whole uh, and as a team, their lineup is just better than Cleveland's. And I think that they're pitching as a whole, you know, their one through four star is also better too. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. All right. I'll shake it up. (laughs) I know that Shane Bieber just got hurt, but I'm going with Cleveland. I just feel like, if they're going to make the playoffs, if this division is going to make the playoffs, that is, we need a little star power there. And Jose Ramirez is phenomenal. We know he's a proven star, but what Josh Naylor has been able to do for Cleveland this year and his younger brother being on the team at catcher, that's a pretty cool storyline. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but Josh Naylor's hitting like 310, uh, just really knocking the ball out the park, trying to lead this team. So, he was uh, the trade bait they got for their last big pitching um, trade to Cleveland when they traded away, I think, Clevenger. I mean, to San Diego. He came back from San Diego. So it is proof that some of these prospects do come up and you know provide for future teams. So, yeah, I think they'll be a little bit of a seller, but I just think they could luck into uh, winning this division still. But on a serious note, Anybody in the AL East could uh, compete in this division and easily win it. <laughs> yeah, I could see like two or three teams from the AL East. You know, not you know, we'll probably have the number one seed be the winner of the AL East and the AL, and then you'll you'll have probably two other wild card teams. It's just a stacked division. I feel like all the other divisions don't even come close to the AL East. So we have one more AL division to look at, and that is the AL West right now. The Texas Rangers. They've been the story of the first half on the AL side, but the defending uh, champs, the Houston Astros, are starting to play better. You know, they just had a really good series against the Angels, uh, two crazy comebacks. Uh, so, you all have the Astros coming back and winning this division. Or do you have the new blood Texas Rangers holding on? I think for me, you know, watching baseball for so many years and seeing what the Astros have done. And the Astros always seem to be hanging around. And they always seem to be there when it comes playoff time. The difference is, is that, you know, Altuve's out still. And, you know, they don't have a strong second baseman. Um, their bats are still there. I mean, without Jazz McCormick and, you know, Kyle Tucker, they're, they're not even in the race, uh, to be honest. So I, I think that... Uh, them getting Bregman healthy and, and trying to get his uh, performance and his game back to where uh, it was, you know, peak all-star is, you know, going to take a little bit of time. I think the second half of the season for them, they're just going to have to battle really hard in order to, to get, uh, to get to the end. And of course they've battled 
with some injuries in, in the rotation for pitching with Valdez. And, and I think that the team that is most, uh, I guess, geared up for what's going to happen in the second half of the season is the Rangers. And the biggest surprise in the AL being third in the AL right now and four games back, uh, they honestly could take uh, the AL at this point. So I, I, you know, to your point, Tyler, you know, the AL East is completely stacked, which we do know is, is true. But on the other hand, I mean, Houston in, in Texas is they're they're right there. I, I just think that they honestly could push really hard. For Houston, they're a little too far out for me to to be able to take them comfortably. So I'll go with the Rangers. Wait, I'll go with the Rangers the too. Ooh, going with the Rangers. All right. Yeah, I think that they're like Jacob said about during the Shohei Otani segment. Um, they're not going to be afraid to spend. I don't know if it's going to be on Shohei or not, but they're going to bring in the right pieces. And they actually do have a lot of young talent still, even though they did go out in free agency and spend a lot of money because they did it in free agency. They didn't make trades to get these guys. So they've had a good um, minor league system running for a few years now. And then they decided to take the free agency approach. So they got a lot of guys that are blocked uh, such as like Josh Smith, you know, he was a big prospect return in the Joey Gallo deal and now they don't have somewhere to put them. So I think that they'll go get the right pieces. And I think that, Honestly, I think that whoever wins the AL West will be the number one seed in the AL because the East is just going to continue to compete against itself. And I don't think the Twins have enough talent to take it away and and run with it in their own division. So it's a missed opportunity for them to get some easy wins um, against, you know, Kansas City, Detroit, and so on. Well, I was going to pick the Rangers since y'all did. I I don't want to do a clean sweep. I cannot go against the champ the Houston Astros. I mean, they've been doing this since Jordan Alvarez. Once he gets healthy, like that's going to just elevate them too. I think that since they're in the race, they're also going to be buyers. I would not be surprised if they go after some starting pitching too, even some bullpen pieces. Uh, and even, you know, some pitching. I think at Chas McCormick is starting to heat up. Your, you know, Jeremy Pena is starting to heat up. And then Alex Bregman, he's starting to heat up too. So, the guys that did it, you know, whenever you won the World Series last year, is starting to play good baseball. So I don't know. I know that Texas, with all their young talent, you know, Nathan Evaldi's having a really final season. He could be a Cy Young, Young, young candidate along with Garrett Cole. So we'll see. Uh, that's definitely going to be a fun division. You know, the AL Central is like, like, why are you even in this? Like, you have the AL West who has some juggernauts, and then you have the AL East. So. Whoever comes out the central, they're probably going to be the first ones out of the playoffs. <laughs> so let's now go if on. Any, to the national- if anybody in the central even makes the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. About well, it. well, all right. Let's go on now to the National League. Our first one is the East. Do you have to spend time on this? It's going to be the Braves. I'm pretty. Yeah, I think that's nine and a half for me. They would pretty much have to fall apart and like die at this point to not win this division. <laughs> don't you yeah. agree? I don't see I, I it going so. anywhere. <laughs> I see the yeah, pace see slowing down a little bit. Yeah, well, we can just skip over that. Bit. <laughs> I think Atlanta's going to stay in neutral for the most part. I don't see them being a buyer or a seller. Yeah. Uh, maybe in cash assets, but other than that, I don't see them <laughs> going after um, anyone or releasing any, anyone at this stage of the game. 
All right, so let's go skip on over to that. Let's go on to a division that's actually competitive, the NL Central. Now, all of our picks, I think, were we were high on the St. Louis Cardinals, but the Cardinals are having a disastrous season. They're 11 and a half. They're in last place. Pittsburgh was the talk of the town in the first half or the first month, and now they are playing like the Pittsburgh Pirates of old. Uh, so maybe we see them get rid of Andrew McCutcheon. I've heard some rumors on him getting shipped somewhere else, possibly back to Philly, or maybe even Milwaukee. Uh, but right now the Brewers are in the lead. Uh, they just swept, actually, the Reds uh, this past weekend. So they're in full control of that division. The fan favorite, the Cincinnati Reds, they're not too far out of it either. So are y'all going to go with the fan favorite or the Reds? Are you going to go with the pure pitching and the way that Christian Yelich has been playing too has been phenomenal. So are you going to go with the Brew Crew or are you going to go with Cincy? I don't think the Reds are there yet. I think the Brewers proved that this weekend. Uh, and I think the offense is getting a lot better. And Corbin Burns didn't even pitch to his full potential in the first half. So I think there's room for improvement on a better team in Milwaukee. And I, I think that Cincinnati is going to benefit from playing a bunch of rookies that people don't have scouting reports on. And I think their offense is going to look good. But ultimately, I think the pitching staff is young. And eventually those young hitters will get figured out at some point. It's just part of the game. Um, I think this thing's wide open next year, and I do think Cincinnati's going to give themselves a chance at it this year, and I think there's a good chance they snag one of the wild card spots. But uh, right now, I think that uh, this is still Milwaukee's division, and they'll just barely edge out Cincinnati. It'll probably come down to, like, literally the last weekend. Yeah, for me, it's it's Cincinnati if. And it's Cincinnati if they go into the trade deadline being buyers. Um, if they are buyers and they're being, if they're going to be as aggressive as they've looked for the draft uh, with prospects, I think that they can win the division. Um, and it all starts with the bullpen and the starting rotation. Biggest question mark for me with Cincinnati, are they going to go get another vet that they can put in the bullpen? Uh, Cause I really think that's what they need. They need a vet in the bullpen to go in and close out games um, in that, you know, setup area you know, for them. But uh, my biggest question mark for them, other than that would be, is Rhett Louder going to be ready by the time October comes around? Mm. If Rhett Louder, if Rhett Louder is ready and comes out of the bullpen, which I think that's where he would be in that situation come October. Uh, if they're able to do that and put him in the right position, nobody knows anything on louder other than you know college ball and he's going to get his reps playing probably in chattanooga for a while uh at the double a level so i'll be able to see a little bit of right louder and you know what he brings to the table of course but i think that cincinnati has what they need if they are buyers so i'm gonna go with cincinnati with that contingency well, something tells me that they are definitely going to be buyers and try to keep up with Milwaukee. Uh, but I'm going to go with Milwaukee. Uh, you know, it's, it pains me to not pick the Cincinnati team. They are just got everything right now. Uh, but I just feel like the, the pitching is where the, the Brewers are way superior. We just saw this past week, you know, the first game that they played was another one nothing ball game and Corbin Burns uh, shoved again. So I'm going to go with the Brew Crew. The way that Christian Yelich has been playing, I think that they're also going to be buyers too. Would not surprise me if they got a batter to to insert into that lineup. I think that they're fine with their pitching. So I think that surprised me. The Brew Crew 
try to upgrade that offense and try to put this division out. It, this is going to be, you know, the division like the AL East and like the AL Central. It's not going to be the runaway that we're going to see the Braves. It's like all the divisions outside of the NL East is going to come down to the final week. Now we go on now to the NL West, and it feels like every day and every new day there's a first-place team, and it's the team that we've all expected, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Expected the San Diego Padres to be here, especially with all the talent that they got in the offseason. But they're looking like going to be sellers. Uh, the way that they looked this past weekend against the Phillies, they did not look good. Uh, ever since uh, their their Padres fans came out with that song, of Jack, that's what's in and all that, they have just mm-hmm. been in complete despair. So right now the Giants are a half, one and a half game back of the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks are two games back. The Diamondbacks were in first place for the majority of the first half, but all of a sudden the Dodgers have come out of, you know, the, the you know, the caves and all right. So pretty much this is a three team race. It feels like, you know, between the Dodgers, the Giants and the D-backs. So of all those three teams, you have taken the West. Uh, I got to stick with the, the Dodgers. I mean, this just seems to be their division. Arizona is kind of like Cincinnati, uh, a team that you didn't expect to be in it, has some young talent, has kind of caught the national headline as much as that market can. So I, I do expect them to try to be buyers. Um, they're kind of like the Mariners of last season to me. They have the rookie of the year favorite and Corbin Carroll and kind of a smaller West Coast market team that they're going to go out and get top on pitching. I think they're going to go get Marcus Stroman or someone of that liking, uh, kind of like the Mariners did with Luis Castillo. And it might be enough to snag that second wild card spot because of the success they had in the first half. But ultimately I think the Dodgers are going to challenge the Braves for the number one seed overall. Um, I think they played a little bit lower than their potential. And I think Atlanta exceeded their potential. So I think those two will kind of meet towards the middle. Ultimately Atlanta will be the one seed, but the Dodgers are a force to be reckoned with in the postseason, And I think everybody knows that. Yeah. For me, I think, I'm going to go uh, kind of like I said with the last division, but I'm going to go with the D-backs um, only because of their first half performance, and they really surprised me. I think they surprised everybody in the MLB, to be honest, and I think that they surprised themselves a little bit. And uh, you know, the next six games is going to be very telling for what the the second half of the season will be for uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've lost their last four games. So that's including before the all-star break and right hereafter. Uh, you lose the last game to the Pirates and then we go all-star break and you get swept right before by the Blue Jays on the road. Um, you know, and then they're going to continue their road trips. They're going to Atlanta. They're going to play three games in Atlanta against the Braves and go to Cincinnati and play three games against the Reds who are both teams that I picked to win their division in the NL. So that those six games are very important for them, even though we're just getting through the all-star break after that, it kind of mellows out Uh, just a wild team to, to think that they would be where they are right now at two games back. It's not like the Dodgers or uh, the giants are having a down year either. It's that's the thing about it. They're, playing good baseball uh, with only 39 losses, you know, for the Dodgers, 50 plus wins, uh, you know, for Arizona have 52 wins and 42 losses at 10 games above 500 right now is incredible to me. Um, 
Corbin Carroll, I think, is the future of that team, and I think they know it. And uh, I think they're going to be buyers. I, I I do think they're going to be buyers. They're going to try their hardest uh, to go and get another big piece. And if they're if they're where they are right now, I think they have a lot of appeal for guys in free agency uh, and on some other teams that just aren't in in the race anymore. So, um, and I think it sets up well. You could see some divisional trades there. Uh, I think the Padres are going to be sellers. Mm -hmm. So I think that they definitely can go and pursue some guy uh, within that organization. A great piece for them. Blake Snell. Um, Well, I think that's a far fetch to get Blake (laughs) Snell, but only because he's playing contract. Yeah. (laughs) He is. He does have an expiring contract. They're going to jack up the price within the division. Yeah. They will. So I, I think that they need to go get another big bat. Uh, for Arizona, and if they get another big bat, a guy that can bat, uh, you know, low 300s, I think they can be an absolute contender uh, when the playoffs come around and potentially win the division by one or two games. Yeah, as much as I want to be different, I'm going to go with the Dodgers. You know, the Diamondbacks have been reeling. Uh, They do have a big series coming up uh, in Atlanta. That would be huge for them to get a sense of momentum and beat the Braves, uh, especially on the road at Truist Park. I feel like every day that they're just selling out that park. Uh, but I do agree with Wade. They're going to get either one or two starting pitchers. I would not be surprised if they land like Lucas Giolito from the White Sox or Mar- Marcus Stroman. They're going to steal somebody from Chicago. It's going to be a pitcher. It's going to ma- make them better on the mound, uh, especially with May being out with Tommy John surgery. They need another piece uh, to add to that starting rotation a lot of baseball talk. I did not expect that. We probably won't be talking about baseball here on out unless we see like a big trade like Shohei get moved or, you know, Juan Soto gets moved for like the third straight year. But we'll definitely keep up with that. Let's get into our fan favorite segment. Who got that dog in? All right, Wade, you kick it off first. Sorry. All right. I think you're talking about who got that dog in him, but the clip was still playing on my screen. So who got that dog in him? Last week I went with Blake Snell. We just talked about him at the trade deadline. I feel like it's got to be baseball. I know we just talked about baseball for a long, long time. (laughs) But uh, my dog of the week, I got to go with Matt Olson. I know we've talked about him here in recent past. But I feel like all um, during the MLB All-Star Game coverage, people are trying to angle at the Braves and say, well, is this team going to keep their their pace going? They were really trying to drive up the uh, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson discussion again during the game. And uh, what does Matt Olson do? He comes out and smacks a grand slam on the second pitch he sees of the second half. And he's like, you know what? There'll be none of that discussion. We're here. We're going to be number one. Shut up. <laughs> it could be the MVP uh, for the NL if it wasn't for Acuna, though. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think it's – we've had some better dogs of the week, but that was, like, probably my favorite moment in sports this week yeah. was uh, watching, like, literally 10 minutes of the Braves game the other night, and that's what I get to see is he comes in and is just, like, all business per usual. He's a pretty quiet guy. So, Jacob, who's your dog? Uh, for me, it's going to be the Houston Astros after their performance last mm. night in Anaheim. I think that uh, they definitely are my team for who got that dog. I just think, you know, 
Kyle Tucker homer in the ninth, uh, Alex Bregman homer in the ninth, uh, and of course, then there was a Kyle Tucker homer in the ninth. Or, yeah, Chas McCormick, Chas McCormick, Bregman, and Tucker all homered in the ninth inning uh, for them to come back and, and win that game 9-8. Even though Otani blasts one out in the ninth, uh, they still hold on to win by one. Just a cra- And then Kyle Tucker sealing the deal, what looked like to be an extra base hit and a walk-off makes yep. a diving web gem out there in the outfield. So I, I think that uh, they honestly just stole that game. And that just encompasses – uh, the season for the Angels, I think. So it just, it's fitting that uh, it was it was meant to be for the Astros to come back when it looked like they were just completely out of it, uh, being five runs back early in that game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Astros too, but I'm going to go with the individual who had an insane week, and that's Chaz McCormick. He had uh, seven hits versus the Angels. It was a huge series, you know, coming off of the all-star break, you know, the, the Astros, the first half wasn't really what they expected, you know, especially with how hot the Rangers have been. But I just feel like the Astros just have unfinished business here in the second half, and Chas McCormick is going to be a huge part in that. Also had three home runs on the weekend and also three walks. So baseball talk is over with. Let's get into the main course of our show, and that is football talk. I'm going to try to get the slides on here. So for our audio listeners, maybe go grab some chips while I try and flip this over. But for our video listeners, let's go ahead and go back to my fantasy football corner. Like I said last week, we did the wide receivers. Now let's kick it off with the quarterbacks. And I know that quarterbacks, everybody loves them. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts, they have all these very special quarterbacks on this list. But number one quarterback, this is where I don't, this is, I swear, this is no bias to where I just watched the quarterback series. Patrick Mahomes is my number one fantasy quarterback heading into the season. Now, Patrick Mahomes, I'm just done doubting him. Last year, I was so high on the Chargers. I spent a whole entire offseason talking about the Chargers winning the Super Bowl. Yada, yada, yada. I am done with this. Patrick Mahomes, I'm putting him number one. He is just the best quarterback of all time. And I think, you know, when we're looking at PPR, not only do we want passing touchdowns, but we also want rushing touchdowns. I know that Patrick Mahomes doesn't really run a lot, especially at the back half of the season whenever he was dealing with a high ankle sprain. He was pretty much inactive in the running game. But looking at the Chiefs offense, I do think that Isaiah Pacheco – will be the running back one for the Chiefs. You know, we saw Jarrett McKinnon, you know, burst onto the scene uh, last season in fantasy, but I do think that Isaiah Pacheco will be the running back one. And then look at the receivers, you know, no Juju anymore. You do have Kadarius Toney. We will see if we see, you know, Kadarius Toney has an elite level speed. He had a really good showing in the Super Bowl. So I think that, you know, Kadarius Tony is one of those receivers that we are just waiting in the wings to burst out. I think that this could be the season for him. And we already know what we're going to get with Travis Kelsey. He's not only the one of the best tight ends in the league, but also if you're looking at, honestly, put him up against, you know, the Jeffersons, the Chases of the world, I would put him up there. So Mahomes, you know, with all the talent that he has around, with the talent that he is, I'm just not putting him anywhere else. Last year, I put him at number three. That was a mistake. I know that he didn't finish as the QB1 of fantasy of Jalen Hurts, but if you look at his QBR at 77, that ranked number one in the league. So let's go on now to number two. 
a familiar uh, team that we saw last week. We saw Stephon Diggs make the top five and we're making in the quarterback too. I feel like Josh Allen has been on my top five list past couple of years. Uh, he was number one last year on my top five fantasy quarterback rankings. And I think that he's still going to be up there. You know, I know that Mahomes has a ranking by him by number one, but honestly, my top three receivers feel like one, a one B and one C they're going to be really good. They're going to give you the fantasy production. You're looking forward to starting quarterback. And these are the three, elite quarterbacks like you know Mahomes Allen and Hurts are about the only quarterbacks I would even touch in the top five rounds of the draft and if you're looking for a quarterback early it would be one of these three so I think that looking at the Bills offense right now you know the running back you're gonna have James Cook you no longer have Devin Singletary there they added Damian Harris into the mix so that'll add another running back uh, for Josh Allen and then the receivers are pretty similar your top two guys or Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. But I, what I really like about what the, the Bills did this offseason, helping out Allen, was drafting Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Knox just hasn't really been the tight end that we have been expecting, but I do think that Dalton Kincaid will definitely be a big red zone target for Josh Allen. So Josh Allen can do it all, you know, looking at his stature, 6'5", 6'6". He can just run you over. He's pretty much a running back at quarterback. You look at there is projected passing touchdowns, 32. That is just insane. If you get 30-plus touchdowns from your quarterback, can you, can you also get a couple of touchdowns in the running game too? That would definitely be big. So number three was my, you know, number one, almost number two quarterback last year was Jalen Hurts. He was the fantasy quarterback number one, was a huge part on the Eagles making it to the Super Bowl last year. And you're looking at all of his projected. I mean, this man is going to be popping off at every category, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and also rushing touchdowns. 11, you see right there, is the most projected by any quarterback. And I know the talk of the town, the modern style of football, is that fantasy managers not only want a quarterback that can you know, score a lot of passing touchdowns, but also give you a lot of rushing upside, too. I think that Jalen Hurts – is one of the best to do it. You know, we're seeing Lamar Jackson. We're seeing Justin Fields do it, too. So I just feel like looking at the Eagles offense, once again, uh, they added a really dynamic guy in DeAndre Swift. I do think that DeAndre Swift is going to be their number one guy, but Kenneth Gainwell, they really like him as the pass catching back. And then the receivers, they're very elite. I do think that Dallas Goddard had some injuries last season. I expect him to back to be fully healthy, too. So I do have Jalen Hurts in my top three. I think that he's going to continue to be elite. I could would not be shocked if he's back in the MVP race along with Allen and along with Mahomes. So I would definitely take Jalen Hurts. If I if Mahomes and Allen are off the board and Hurts is there, I would definitely not have any second thoughts about not taking Hurts. Going in number four, a lot of people like this watching the shows. We have a lot of LSU faithful Joe Burrow is once again in the top five, coming in at number four. Now, Burrow, like the top three quarterbacks, doesn't really run the football much. Uh, you only see him either quarterback sneak it, or you've seen him at times when the Bengals get inside the 10-yard line. You know, whenever, if there's really nothing open, the pass protection gets down, then he can definitely take off and run. The Bengals' offense is pretty much the same as it was the last season, uh, you know, outside of Peyton Hurst not being there anymore. Uh, Joe Mixon is going to be back. There's some, you know, off the field issues, but I do think that he will be their running back one. No Samaj P. Ryan there. And then the wide receivers are the same. You got Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. So I think that Burrow 
has already, you know, he's shown in the past couple of seasons he's been elite, and he's continued to improve. As you look at his fantasy rankings year in and year out, he was the number four quarterback in fantasy last year. So I think that he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. I do think that he has the opportunity to be a top five quarterback once again. All right, now I know those are pretty vanilla quarterback rankings so far, but I think that this is where a lot of people are, their eyes are going to open. Number five is going to be Justin Fields, you know, if you looked at last season, you know, the start of this season wasn't very good, especially in the passing rate. You know, this isn't a guy that deals with accuracy issues uh, at the start of the season, but he kind of figured out at the start at the end of the season, too. But the end of the season, I mean, he was a league winner. If you had him starting, you know, I saw a couple of games where he got like 40 points, 30 points. He was very consistent. I think that his rushing ability is as elite as Jalen Hurts, maybe even – you know, remotely, you know, above that too. And look at the offense. They did add DJ Moore. That is going to be, that's like his best target that he's ever had in Chicago. You know, Darnell Mooney wasn't doing it for him. Chase Claypool wasn't doing it for him. They did get rid of David Montgomery. So that's really going to open the door for Justin Fields being their RB1 here. I just don't think that the Bears have a lot of faith in Khalil Herbert. So Justin Fields is going to pretty much be their prototypical RB1, I, I don't, I, he's not going to get, you know, as many passing yards as the three guys that I mentioned above, but his elite rushing ability slides him in at number five. So I'm going to shut up now. I'll give the floor to y'all what y'all thought about the top five. You know, did you have any disagreements? You know, maybe you would have put Lamar Jackson over Justin Fields. So I'll leave the floor open to y'all right now. I can't knock your picks, but I do see some missing names that, <laughs> to me, if I miss out on one of those top five guys, I'm okay with waiting and picking up another elite receiver. And I'll rock with Lamar Jackson. I'll rock with Justin Herbert. I think Herbert's situation's gotten better. And I think he played kind of mm-hmm. iffy down the stretch yeah. last year. But I think yep. the value yeah. could really be there at like QB8. I would rather do that than take the shot on Justin Fields. But I could be totally wrong because Justin Fields is kind of sitting where Jalen Hurts did last year his adp has skyrocketed and it's just both of those guys to me are just a little too high for the dependence on rushing touchdowns too you know like was it by design that jalen hurts got 11 rushing touchdowns last year or is it because they didn't like miles sanders as a goal line back you know i think it was more miles sanders they're not (laughs) liking him watch what he's about to do in carolina yeah so i i like to see guys that give me a guaranteed floor as a passer and then bonus touches as a a runner. I mean, I started Justin Fields as my backup quarterback in both of our leagues last year, and I ended up making him my starter over Dak Prescott for most of the season. And Dak's the better quarterback, but Justin Fields was running the ball for 200 yards, which, hey, that's really talented, but – is it going to happen every week? I don't yeah. know. I just feel like that wasn't by design. Yep. Jacob, you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't agree with the Justin Fields at number five. No, I knew that a lot of people would. Only because, only because be there, I'm thinking of all of the different quarterbacks in the league, and the biggest one that I thought for sure would be on your top five is not on your top five. And it really bothers me. And I'm like, who is that? Well, it's a traditional quarterback. It's not he oh. he's not going to run the ball like crazy. 
uh, only because he's a significant passer um, in the NFL world and arguably the talk of the offseason, Aaron Rodgers is uh, not in your top five, which is kind of shocking uh, knowing the weapons young that quarterbacks, have. not old quarterbacks. <laughs> so I just, no, I just, <laughs> it's just weird to me. So that in the I fact know. that you said that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time and my, my ears just went up and I was like, oh my God, he did not. As of that. now. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's a totally See? different generation. Hey, sorry, quarterback bias. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a generation now. <laughs> just Watching that show. Put Kirk there. Cousins on here too. Jesus. Yeah. But no, I thought that was a weird one that you didn't put on there. And the other one, the guy who had a, he had a really good year last year, um, is Daniel Jones. I think he had a really good year last year, at least for me in fantasy. And I know he did for many other people in fantasy. And I ended up picking him up off of free agency and did really, really well for me. So uh, he's another guy that I think um, really can be a breakout person, depending on the matchup. Um, if you really want to gamble uh, with finding a decent guy that you can fill in uh, on a given week, I think Daniel Jones is a good guy. Yeah, and I'll say it, and I might be flamed for this, but I like Russell Wilson as like a, you know, 10 to 12 pick quarterback i think if you're sitting there looking at russell wilson geno smith Mm -hmm. uh you know maybe daniel jones tua out of that bunch i'm going russell Mm -hmm. wilson all day yeah there's definitely a lot of great quarterbacks but we'll get into that another time we have a lot of weeks to go the fantasy football corner next week we'll look at the top five tight ends you probably already know the top two so that, but it's probably going to be Kelsey. We all know it's going to be Kelsey. But outside of that, where does the list rank? So we're going to continue on with our NFL talk. We do have a little news bit to get until we get to the previews. It's already an hour. Chet's not even here. We're already going the longest show ever. So let's get right into it. DeAndre Hopkins, the Titans, uh, our Titans fan, Neil, loves it so much. He talked about how he you know, wanted DeAndre Hopkins last week and how great this was going to be for his Tennessee Titans and ultimately he winning spoke the into existence, South. He spoke it into existence. Uh, but there were two teams in the mix, the Patriots and the Titans, and D-Hop ultimately took his talents to the Music City. So, Jacob, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, you being a Patriots fan, are you bummed not getting D-Hop? Or what do you think that the ceiling is for this offense now with D-Hop in the mix? Uh, no, I'm not bummed. I, I'm not surprised. Um, it's just one of those things where I'm sure that D-Hop talked uh, with Coach Belichick, you know, to a certain extent, and, and Mike Vrabel to a certain extent. So, um, no, I, I just think that he's probably a better fit for Tennessee, uh, ultimately, in the end. My only thing, though, is is that I don't think D-Hop gives them everything that Tennessee needs in order to win to the division. I just don't see that. Um, it is one guy. There are plenty more people on the field. He's one target, and a lot of teams are going to double cover him, knowing uh, that I, I just don't think that he's going to make that big of a difference. Could Tennessee potentially win one or two more games due to it? Potentially. Um, I, I just don't see – I don't see D-Hop being – a guy who's going to change the entire team because that's what he was supposed to do in Arizona. Uh, and, uh, and that really never happened. I mean, it just really never developed. He had some good individual performances, but the team really never did any better 
with or without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I think um, I, I just don't see it being something that's going to shock everybody. Uh, his performance in Tennessee, I mean, it, it just from the team standpoint, I mean, individually he might do well with Tannehill there, but I just I don't see him uh, leading that team to a huge playoff run, you know, with just that move. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, Wade, from a fantasy perspective, now that DeAndre Hopkins is on the Titans, would that be somebody you would draft in the middle rounds? Yeah, I think that uh, there's a little bit of a discount on him, but the role is is really good as far as uh, volume. I mean, he's definitely past his prime, but looking at guys similar in age to him um, or draft position, you know, looking at like Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I guess maybe even looking at like Odell in Baltimore, kind of like these guys who have been in the league a while. Uh, you're not sure if they're bona fide star wide receivers anymore. I, I think he has the most potential, but uh, I was also very fooled by Robert Woods last year. So <laughs> I think he's a little better in Robert Woods. Um, and uh, I think that he'll settle in just nicely. I think the passing volume there isn't, enough to make him a league winner, but I think he's definitely worth a flyer in the, you know, fifth round or something. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely more interested to see how this affects Traylon Burks and how he falls because he was right there in the ADP of DeAndre Hopkins, and now this is going to shift. Hopkins is going to go up. Burks is going to go down. It's good for his career, though. He'll get to develop. Yeah, good for his career, though. He'll be able to learn and develop under a really an elite talent like that. All right, let's get into the previews. It's been over an hour. Let's get into – what we've been waiting for. Let's start with the AFC North. I want to save the NFC North. That is going to be an exciting division. I'm excited for it. All right. The AFC North, for those who need a refresher, you got the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers. I'll go first. And it's probably going to be a two-team race once again. I just think that the Steelers, with Kenny Pickett being there, I think that their defense is going to be right along there. If anyone in this division, uh, but the quarterback play, if you look at it, you know, you got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. You got Lamar. Too. So I do think that Lamar is going to be out some for revenge in this one. You know, he's got his money. He's happy. He's got Odell, got Rashad Bateman, got Mark Andrews back and healthy. So I think that this is going to be an improving offense. You know, you love J.K. Dobbins. We'll see if he – it's all going to be about health, about this Baltimore team. You know, last year that's whenever it got down to the toilet. You know, their offense and most of their – you know, they have to roll with uh, Huntley as their starting quarterback. It just did not work out. You know, Rashad Bateman was injured, and they had to rely on Sammy Watkins. It just wasn't a season for them. Uh, as much of a good story as the Baltimore is, I'm still going to roll with my guy, Joey B. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals still take this division. They're, this team hasn't really gotten worse. I mean, they've really gotten better. You know, the offense hasn't been much of a drop-off. Their defense has really been improving. Uh, week in, you know, year in and year out. So I do think that the Baltimore Ravens uh, will keep this division close. Wouldn't surprise me the two teams split the season series. But in the end, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Wade, are you going to go with Cincinnati? going to go with Lamar? I'm going to go with uh, Cincinnati as well. I think that they really need to make it happen this year. I think that this is probably the last year that you'll see T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, um, Tyler Boyd all on, on the field at the same time. So, um you know, I think that Joe's got to get it done with those weapons, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jamar Chase make that big leap and be the best wide receiver in the league this year. I, I think that 
had a really good year last year and got hurt um, in the middle of it and still bounced back. So I guess the question there is on defense. I think that Pittsburgh probably has the best defense in the division. Baltimore probably second. So uh, it's going to have to be an offensive victory for Cincinnati. They're going to have to score some points um, against some tough defenses. And uh, not a lot to say about the Browns. I do think they'll be – Better than league average, but tough division here. I think that uh, you'll yeah, we have see a full season with Deshaun now. So yeah. it's definitely going to be a better offense than it was with Jacoby Brissett for, you know, like six games. Uh, Jacob, who do you have win this division? Uh, Cincinnati. So, yeah, um, yeah it I expected it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with Wade. Uh, I think Pittsburgh will put up a fight. You get a healthy TJ Watt back, uh, a really good secondary for. Uh, Pittsburgh, they've always had a really good secondary. So I really think that they can be a team that can steal a game from Cincinnati uh, this year. And they seem like the only team that could steal a, a game uh, against Cincinnati this year. I, I think that uh, for for Baltimore, I just keep going back to what you said with health. And, and they just can't stay healthy. And, and I just – until something happens where they have a good, solid, healthy season, I can't pick them. Uh, and, and the thing is, is you know there was so much drama around the Lamar Jackson contract all off season, and, and I think everybody's putting a little bit too much emphasis on Lamar Jackson. Um, is the running game going to be solid? You saw J.K. Dobbins, of course, go down, and they really had nothing in the backfield. I mean, they gave the ball to Huntley and basically told them run away from people. I mean, it was just like there, there was no game plan uh, going forward once that happened. So I think that they need uh, a strong running back there and, and who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, I don't think Baltimore even knows what's going to happen. So I, I think uh, the clear cut pick for me is Cincinnati. All right, so clean sweep on that. Let's go on now to the NFC North, and I think this is where it's not going to be a clean sweep. We're probably going to have either three different picks or we're all going to be on the same page. So if you need a refresher on this too, the NFC North, the Lions, Vikings, Packers, and the Bears. Now, the talk of the all season has been about the Detroit Lions. Their offense added Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. You know, the wide receivers is just getting better too. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Is already going to be one of my top wide receivers to get in fantasy. So might as well just write the note about it. He's going to be one of the top guys to get. Uh, so, But their defense, though, they keep getting better, too. You know, last uh, all season, you know, Faden Hutchinson getting, you know, a couple of corners. And then coming to this season, you get C.J. Gardner-Johnson. So I think that this defense, you know, was good last season. But I think that they're going to get it up a step notch. Uh, so, But last season, we, you know, saw the Minnesota Vikings 13-4. Many people thought that, you know, the 13 wins, you know, they were frauds. And then you see in the first round of the playoffs, they get booted out by the Giants, a team that no one really respected uh, last season. And then you look at the other two teams. You know, you got the Packers, no Aaron Rodgers anymore. You have Jordan Love now. We'll see how that offense, you know, continues to elevate. And then you got Chicago. You know, I know that they were at the bottom of this division, but I feel like their offense is improving. Their defense also needs to improve. So, Jacob, who you got winning? This wide open NFC North. Yeah, uh, call me crazy, but I'm gonna take the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think that they were the biggest buzz of last season, even though uh, 
they really weren't too much of a contender at the end of it all, but uh, nine wins last year is nothing to sneeze at for mm-hmm. Detroit. That's that's a huge bounce back season for a team that was on nobody's radar. So um, I, I expect them to come out with the moves that they made that you mentioned and uh, take that division by storm. I, the Packers are going to be a team that I just don't think they're geared and ready to go. Yeah, I just I don't think that they're going to pick up right where they left off. Uh, without Aaron Rodgers there, Jordan Love has not played a full game of football in who knows how long. Um, so it's Utah I, State days. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I don't expect uh, the Packers to be a contender. I expect the Packers to actually be dead last in this division mm. um, just because there's just so much uncertainty what's going to happen there. Uh, for me, I think I'll give you the list of how I think it's probably going to finish. I'll go Detroit. Minnesota, Chicago, and uh, Green Bay. So that's just how I see it uh, in a really confusing division. Interesting. I mean, I saw a guy on NFL Network put the Bears at twelve and five and win the division. So who knows? Uh, but uh, wait, do you have? Are you going to go with the fine Dan Campbells? Or are you going to go with the Vikings going back to back? I'm going to go with the Vikings, but I really do think this division is as wide open as any, and in a good way. Not like their uh, MLB city counterparts here in the the Midwest where they're just a bunch of mediocre teams. I think that uh, these are some promising teams with some good storylines. I think Detroit going into the off season, they were my favorite, but I didn't quite jive with their draft strategy and free agency strategy. I mean, I feel like they kind of rushed into a deal with David Montgomery, which I thought was great, but then you go get Jameer Gibbs and the top 15 picks. So I don't know if that was the best use of money when you still have some quality running back options on the market uh, to this day. And then, you know, you traded away your tight end last year in Hawkinson. That was a good trade at the time. Who do you replace them with? Well, you kind of reach again at tight end and then they reached with their pick at linebacker. So I think they're all good young pieces, but I don't think they put it together right off the bat. Uh, and then you got Jamison Williams suspended for half the season. So uh, I think that gives Minnesota just enough time to take the reins of this division. I think they'll take it by a game. I think they'll split the season series as well uh, between those two teams. Yeah, it was definitely an odd strategy by Detroit. I mean, Jameer Gibbs was a really good pick, but not in the top 15. I would have taken him in the 20s, and Jack Campbell wasn't even given it like a around one grade and they go ahead and take him with their second pick. So I think that those will still be two really good players for them. It was just at weird spots. So this is very tough for me, you know, the Minnesota Vikings and looking versus the Detroit Lions, they are pretty even offenses. You know, really the main question I have for Minnesota is, you know, without Dalvin Cook, you know, where the running game going to come for, you know, Alexander Madison has shown it at times, but he's no Dalvin Cook. I think that, they're going to be more of a pass-heavy team. I would not be shocked if Kirk Cousins has the most passing yards and the passing touchdowns because they are going to throw the football, especially adding interceptions and the most interceptions interceptions too. He's going to do every (laughs) little bit of everything. Uh, But adding a guy like Jordan Addison, I think that this is going to be a pass-heavy offense. You know, Alexander Madison is also a pass catching back too. So I do think that their defense uh, once again is going to be a big question mark. They had a lot of key injuries. You know, the defensive line. Daniel Hunter, you know, was out for the majority of the season. Their cornerbacks, too. You know, Patrick Peterson's no longer there. He's with the Steelers. So, do you have some holes on the defensive side? 
I'm gonna go to the Detroit Lions. I don't care. I this is just a team that's been waiting for so many years. Dan Campbell is one of my favorite coaches. I watched him on Hard Knocks, uh, you know, last year with Dan Campbell. I just feel like this man brings the passion. I think that the Detroit Lions will finally win a game on Thanksgiving this year. It's finally gonna happen. They're gonna break the curse and they're <laughs> gonna win the NFC North. Chicago. Uh, probably. If they do, then it's going to be an easy win for them. I think that Chicago is going to be the last place team. I think that the Packers, uh, their defense will keep them afloat. Their offense, they still have Aaron Jones. I think that they're going to be a run-heavy offense. It's going to be like the Minnesota Vikings are going to be a pass-heavy offense, and the Packers are going to be like, here, Aaron Jones, you take it, and then A.J. Dillon, you come in here and you take the football too. So that's how the Packers are going to be. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go more heart pick than go with mind pick. So give me the Lions to take it. So the Lions are playing against the Packers for Thanksgiving. Ah, is it at and it's at home? So yeah, it's in yeah. Detroit. It's always in Detroit. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So let's the biggest go on. the biggest strange Thanksgiving game this year is the 49ers and the Seahawks. Yeesh, that's gonna be boring. Yeah, usually they go with the East Coast teams. Yeah, so that that's gonna, gonna be a weird boring. one. There's no team out east playing for on Thanksgiving. That is going to be weird. Uh, but we do have one question coming through. Chad asks another fantasy question like he always does. Whose fantasy value does it hurt more, D-Hop or Henry? I honestly think it hurts more D-Hop than Henry. You know, that is – you, you really go from Kyler Ryan Tannehill, that's more of a drop-off than an upgrade, buddy. I know Kyler Murray is way better than Ryan Tannehill. I think that Derrick Henry, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. They're – Mike Vrabel has already, sh- you know, shown in his game plans that they're going to run the football. And they're going to run it 30-plus times. So, I think that D-Hop, I honestly wouldn't even take him. I think that the way that their situation is, I know that he's a wide receiver one. But I would feel more comfortable taking guys, uh, you know, that's going around him in ADP like Chris Olave. He's going to be an insane star for the Saints. And Deontay Johnson, too, for the Steelers. So, I would not even take D-Hop if I wouldn't even touch him. You know, Derek Henry. I would take D-Hop over, over Deontay Johnson. But that's just Okay. Me. All right. Well, I, I, I think Tennessee is going to be the number one play action uh, team in the NFL this season. Only because of the weapon that's and fair. it's going one way or the other with the football. You're either running it or we're going to do a little hitch pass to D-Hop. That's pretty much going to be their offense. Uh, but let's go on now to Jacobs' Big Ten. Now, this is going to be a Big Ten conference similar to the SEC that next year we're going to have two West Coast teams with USC and UCLA, so that will be interesting. We'll have USC versus Northwestern all the way out there in Evanston. That will definitely be a treat, especially with them getting CBS. <laughs> so <laughs> that will be definitely interesting to watch. Uh, so in – you know, in with Gary Danielson, out with Gus Johnson. I'm sure that Jacob is definitely excited for that. But another refresher, too. Let's go now on to the Big Ten West. Give you your refreshers. What a dang division this is. This is the greatest division of all sports. That's sarcastic, people. Yeah, Purdue won it last year out of, like, who knows how. They had, like, so many teams that could not score the football at U Iowa. And then you had Illinois, no more Chase Brown. How will they do without their star running back, their defense? So, you know, without their, you know, defensive coordinator moving on and accepting another job. Then you have Iowa. Do we really need to talk about this team? I mean, Iowa's offense continues to get worse and worse and worse. Minnesota is definitely going to be a team to watch. Wisconsin with their, you know, with their head coaching, and then Nebraska too, and then Northwestern. And we don't have to talk about them. So, out of all those teams, who will win this sorry 
dang division of the Big Ten West. Jacob, I'll give you the honors. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> interesting story. Uh, the top two teams that finished in the division, neither team has their starting quarterback from last year. Yeah. Uh, they have said sayonara. Um, but uh, Iowa gets a transfer, and it's going to be weird. So that's going to be an interesting fit there to see what happens. Uh, two teams that are, I think, the only two teams that are contenders are uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, so I think the Golden Gophers uh, are going to take the division. Uh, they finished nine and five last year, and it was good enough for fourth in the in the division, only because they finished five and four in the in the conference. So I. Um, no, I, I think that they have a young quarterback that they're trying to develop. Uh, of course, Tanner Morgan. No, I have 10-year player, Tanner Good Morgan. God almighty, it's gone. Lumberjack so Morgan. It, uh, it is now a time for a new era uh, there. And I think they're, they lost some pieces, I mean, to the transfer portal. Their number one running back was transferring, uh, stayed in the Big Ten and went to Penn State, uh, which is a big move. Uh, for Penn State in the East, and it ultimately just brings down the West um, as he was the number one back in that div- in the division in the Big Ten West. So I, I think those two teams are going to battle it out. Minnesota just has more offense. Until Iowa can score the football and score the football consistently, I can't make them number one. Uh, Minnesota probably ends up winning the head-to-head to win the division. Well, let's be honest. It's probably going to come down to a nine to six game in like the last weekend of oh, the regular season. In the season, pouring like down rain, does. yeah, and it's going to absolutely. be snowing. It's going to be at a blizzard. College sure. game day is going to actually going to be there. It's going to come down to absolutely. who wins the Big Ten West. No, it'll. Wait, it'll are be you going to go? No, the, are you going to go? Game with, will be a big noon kickoff, guys. <laughs> Wait, are you going to go with the Gophers uh, and row the boat? Or are you going to go with somebody else? I'm going to go with Jacob's other contender, the team you joyfully skipped over in the the recap of the division the Iowa Hawkeyes I think that just in a weird division like this it just comes down to experience and coaching and I think they did try to upgrade their offense a little bit they went and got a guy who's won some games in the Big Ten uh he wasn't going to win games at the level that a championship contender like Michigan needs him to but certainly is an upgrade for Iowa so I think that defense is good enough against a lot of really bad offenses that they can squeak by and win some close games and uh, be the fourth best team in the big 10 and the best in the, in the West. Yeah. I only really have three teams being in contention for the big 10 West, Iowa. It's going to be Minnesota. And I'm going to put Wisconsin on here just because of Luke fickle. It's the Luke fickle effect. I feel like everywhere that he's been, he's just a consistent winner. I just feel like the offense is just a year away. You know, the quarterback situation, no more Grant Mertz. I'm sure that Wisconsin people are like, thank the Lord that this guy is out of our program and on to Florida. <laughs> but I do think they do have one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, not named Nick Singleton and uh, Braylon Allen. I think that he's going to be a beast for them. I think that they're, Wisconsin's defense, you know what you're going to get from Luke Fickle's system. So in the end, though, I do I do think that Wisconsin ultimately will win this division. Screw it. I'm just going to do it. I do think that's – I just love Luke Fickle wherever he's been. I'm telling you, the Luke Fickle – I feel like all you need is a really good defense in this division. And you're like, who cares if you score 10 points most of the weekends? That's going to be good enough then for Then you should a be win, an so. Iowa fan. 
But I do think that it's going to do kind of come down to those three teams. You know, Iowa, Cade McNamara, I do think that their offense, hopefully, is going to be better than last year. You know, that's definitely an upgrade than, than Petrus. And then Minnesota, with their question marks at quarterback. I feel like every team in this division has question marks. So I'm just going to go with the best head coach in this division. So I'm going to go with Luke Fickle and the Badgers clinching a berth to Indy. So now let's go on to a division that's actually worth talking about, the Big Ten East. You have a heavy-loaded division once again, but you do have some question marks with Ohio State. No quarterback for them, a new quarterback. Penn State also getting a new quarterback. Then Michigan, really no question marks. They're a really good team once again with J.J. McCarthy returning and then Blake Corm as well. So you got Michigan, Ohio State, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State, Indiana, and Rutgers. Wade, who you have taken the East? All right, so I'm going to go with experience again here. I'm going to go with Michigan, but this is music to Jacob's ears. I think Penn State could be one of the dark horse teams in the country this year. Uh, but with Drew Aller at QB, I mean, I think that he could take them over the top. I think he has the most potential out of the quarterbacks in this conference and certainly is better than anybody Ohio State has to offer right now. So they could seize that momentum early and um, end up being one of the surprise teams. This is a division you got to watch, uh, not only who finishes first, but who finishes second, because there's a good chance that the second place finisher could back their way into the college football playoff. We've seen it happen um, here in recent years. So I'm going to go with Michigan for now, uh, but wouldn't it be something to see Ohio State finish third in this division? And oh, by the way, the Big Ten desperately needs to go to the top two teams for their championship, not division. They'll be doing it next year. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna uh, go next. I'm gonna leave gonna... Jacob for last since he's probably gonna go on what? a big old rant about who's gonna win these. Uh-huh. Uh, but once again, like the West, I think it's pretty common. We know who what three teams are gonna be in the mix. You know, Michigan State without Peyton Thorne, they're not gonna be really good anymore. And then outside of that, I just don't think there's really much competition outside the big three. You know, Michigan is returning a lot on the offense, defense, though. Is where there's gonna be some question marks arising, but they always reload in that one. Ohio State. Without C.J. Stroud there, but they have one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. So, it honestly, realistically, it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball to them. Uh, but they do have uh, some tough games to go to. You know, Michigan has owned them in the past two games. They had to go to the big house. So, I do not expect Ohio State, you know, beating Michigan. Once, I mean, Michigan the past two years, their offensive line had just bully balled Ohio State. You know, Blake Corm and – and Edwards had a really good season. Uh, so I think that, you know, they're going to beat up on each other. This is going to be like last year. All these three teams are just going to beat up on each other. You know, Penn State, Sean Clifford era is finally over for them after spending like 10 years of his life in, in State College, Pennsylvania. It's down the Jural era. I think that a lot of, of Penn State fans have been on this guy. He's been a top recruit. You have a guy like Nick Singleton. I think that he's going to be right up there in the Heisman discussion. I haven't seen a running back in the discussion in quite some time. I think that he's like the next Saquon Barkley coming through the program. I think that defense, you do lose Joey Porter Jr., but you were able to reload with a top head class. I'm going to go with Penn State. I think that, you know, they get – I do – you know, you get Michigan. Do they get Michigan at home this year, Jacob? That's right? Yes. Okay, and then they go Ohio State on the road. I would honestly rather have – an experienced team like Michigan come to your place and then go on the road to, you know, Ohio State. They're going to be figuring out some things. Uh, so I think that Penn State will win this one, either this division at 11 and 1 or 12 and 0. I think whoever wins the Big Ten East will ultimately go on and win 
the Big Ten Championship. So I would say that Penn State right now, to me, would be my fourth seed in the college football playoff. Um, yeah, so getting into division, of course, yeah, um, it is a three-team race. I agree with Wade in the sense that I think Ohio State is the third-place finisher this year. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think they're going to have the pieces necessary in order to compete with two teams uh, that basically have the future of the Big Ten, and I think that's Michigan and Penn State. Um, Michigan has all the necessary pieces. Like you mentioned, Tyler, the only thing that we don't know and it's the biggest question mark is defense. Um, and my biggest question mark is secondary for them. And mm-hmm. I just think that that is a piece that they're going to have to find good secondary pieces in order to stop uh, these offenses in Penn State and Ohio State, both of them. Um, I think run defense is huge in in the Big Ten, and run defense is going to be interesting for uh, – for Michigan, they have a decent pass defense for the most part, pass rush. I mean, that's why they're ranked number two as far as defense goes is because of their pass rush. Um, but when we hand, when you hand the ball off, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Um, Penn State's ranked fourth in the country in defense. So I, I think that uh, they have the strongest run defense in uh, in the Big Ten and, and arguably one of the best in college football uh, being that they have solid edge rushers and linebackers with tons of experience. And I think linebacker U is coming back for Penn State. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. And, of course, the big head-to-head, of course, is Penn State has the home field advantage against Michigan. Michigan hasn't won at Penn State in more than three years. Uh, so it seems to favor Penn State at least that game if they can get through the rest of their schedule okay um Drew Aller I I think Drew Aller is a is a guy that even though he's just a sophomore uh I honestly think that he could be a contender for the Heisman Trophy if Penn State goes undefeated um I think that he honestly could win the Heisman Trophy which is crazy to think he's the number one quarterback in the draft class uh, and for Penn State to land somebody out of the state of Ohio like Drew Aller uh, is massive. So I think that uh, he'll be a instant burst of energy for them. Saw him play a lot last season, knowing Clifford went down, wasn't healthy, this, that. He came back. Um, but Drew Aller, absolutely experienced. And people are going to be really surprised at the arm that this kid has. It is like Jordan Travis-esque like arm and it is unbelievable. So I, I expect him to play really well. Uh, like you said, Nick Singleton, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, arguably the best duo of running back in the big 10. I think they'll have a huge year rushing yards wise. There'll be a lot of play action going on within that offense. I think you're going to see the old trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley offense come back a little bit uh, with the delayed handoffs. I think we big, uh, Biggest question mark with Penn State, though, is offensive line. You lost some offensive line pieces. Uh, if they have some big boys that can go and block, um, I think they can do really well. And you have a ton of coaching experience. Everybody is kind of faded off into the distance. Manny Diaz is the defensive coordinator at Penn State and has turned that defense around completely. Uh, and they played really well last year for a team 
uh, that finished third in, in that division. So I expect it to be a completely new year, completely new team uh, in that sense, and them to go out and represent the Big Ten East in Indiana. So there you have it. The Big Ten championship picks. Wade has Michigan versus Iowa. Could that be a Cade McNamara revenge game yes. in Indy? That would definitely yes. be a headline. Michigan spring game. And then uh, <laughs> yeah, Jacob has Penn State versus Minnesota. And then I have Penn State versus Wisconsin. So unlike the SEC, three different ones. So I definitely like that. We'll get into the, the preview next week. We'll kick on to the East Coast. We'll do the NFC East and the AFC East. And also the ACC. That's definitely going to be another conference in college football that feels wide open to me, especially in both divisions. You know, Florida State is getting all the headlines. Then all we know in the Coastal, who the heck is going to win that one? Feels like that's a story that we always try to answer. But that's going to be it for us. I do want, before we leave, uh, want to say that the FIFA Women's World Cup is going to be kicking off on Thursday night. The United States are going to be looking for back-to-back-to-back World Cups. We'll see if they can do it. They definitely have the squad to do it. Uh, Germany is definitely one of those squads to look for. France, England, those are it's pretty much the same top teams. I feel like every team is just the same as it was four years ago. Uh, but the U.S. will kick it off against Vietnam. USA's Group E is Vietnam, Netherlands, and Portugal. Netherlands and USA was the 2019 World Cup final where the U.S. took them down to to nil. So that'll be kicking off for them. Uh, so we just want to wish good luck to our U.S. Women's National Team. We'll be kicking, you know, we'll be keeping up with them as the tournament goes on. But that's going to be it for us. It was a long one. A lot of football, a lot of baseball, a lot of sports on the sports scramble. We'll have our lovely host Chet back as we will continue to preview college football, as I mentioned. Let on to the East Coast. For now, with the sports scramble, we hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week.